I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer vital health questions that will help you thrive, like, what does my mental health have to do with my gut? How can I prevent melanoma? How much sleep do I really need? And how can I manage my health without a family doctor? I chat with the top experts to bring you the latest evidence in plain language, all in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Alex Panetta, in for Jamie Poisson. This is one of the oldest sports teams in the world, Wrexham AFC. And for the past 15 years, it's been pretty bad. The team has languished in the lowest ranking league in English football. Win and their champions. 15 years of hurt would be over. Of course, anything less. Then, two years ago, things started looking up for Wrexham. Two guys from Hollywood, with no connection to the community, in fact, no connection to soccer, showed up with a big plan and with reality TV cameras. Hello, my name is Rob McElhoney. My name is Ryan Reynolds. Uh, our new show on FX is called Welcome to Wrexham. And earlier this year, we became owners of the football club in Wrexham. I wake up and first thing I think is we've really been taken over by two Hollywood superstars. It's dead cool, really, bought Wrexham Football Club. You never think somebody from 6,000 miles away will come and, uh, and do this. And if Ryan Reynolds were here right now, what would you say to him? Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Their plan? to buy a lower league team and in time to grow it into a global force, to have it move up through the more competitive leagues, eventually all the way to the world-class Premier League, and to be recording it all, making a TV show out of it. And so last Saturday was a big day. With a win, the team would move up one league into the second worst league in the UK. Well, they're looking to wriggle away and get his shot out! Special goal on Wrexham's big day! The game ended with an emotional, tearful embrace between Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney in the stands. The team pulled it off, and joyful celebrations washed over this town in northern Wales. Wrexham promoted to the EFL. They are National League champions. A sprinkling of Hollywood stardust that has helped make this possible. One thing that's running through my head over and over again is people said at the beginning, why Wrexham, why Wrexham? This exactly why Wrexham. I, I wouldn't have imagined anyone coming here like when I was a kid. When I was young, everyone wanted to get out. And I'd be like, I love Rob and I love Ryan. I love them both. Richard Sutcliffe is a writer with The Athletic with a special assignment, a unique assignment for an international website to cover a fifth division club. Wrexham AFC is his beat. He's been following the team's recent triumphs, and he's here to walk me through how a touch of celebrity stardust transformed a tiny football club. Hi, Richard. Hi there. Well, Richard, I want to start by asking you to take us to Wrexham. Uh, paint a bit of a picture for me. It's a historic working class city, still calls itself a town. And the Reynolds documentary shows images of its industrial decline. So what, what's the story of this community? Absolutely. Yeah. Back in the uh, back in the day, it was a real powerhouse of a town, you know, built on uh, built on mining and steel. And, uh, and like a lot of towns, you know, across uh, across the UK, you know, particularly in the north of the UK, you know, really proud, proud heritage to it. 
It's the third oldest professional club in the world. It's the oldest club in Wales. And it plays at the Kairas, or the race course in English, which is the oldest international stadium still in use anywhere in the world. And for many, many years, Wrexham were Wales' best club. But it hit hard times, you know, both those industries declined. And obviously towns, when the principal employer goes that way, you know, it has some tough years and it's had some tough years. You know, I'd say probably the sort of the last 20, 30 years, really, as a town. And uh, that sort of spread to the football club. But by the very early 80s, Wrexham became a very depressed town with incredibly high levels of unemployment. The football club was impacted by hard times as well. In a small place, the fortunes of the town and its team are inextricably intertwined. The two absolutely depend upon one another. Wrexham is a town that... You know, they've been out of the football league for 15 years, but they were struggling a little bit before that as well. You know, when there's not a lot of money around in a town, then it's, it's difficult to, you know, it's difficult as a football club to raise the funds you need to, to prosper. So, yeah, it hit, hit real hard times, you know, that the fans had had to step in and save the club. Well, two or three times, to be honest, you know, raise money. Wow. And then they actually took over the club, the Supporters Trust, and they kept it going for sort of nine, ten years. But it was treading water at best, I'd say, as a as a football club. It was just sort of circling the drain, really, if, if we're being honest, and just just keeping out of the uh, out of trouble. But I think eventually it would have popped down that drain uh, if it hadn't have had the outside investment that obviously came in the you know in the persona that it did. Amazing. So the actual the fans actually ended up owning the team. So take me back to late 2020. The COVID pandemic is still at its height. Wrexham AFC is struggling. And along come out of nowhere, these two TV and movie stars. You got Rob McElhaney, the creator and star of the show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And Ryan Reynolds. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds. So what's the what's the reaction in Wrexham? Uh, incredulity, I would have thought. Yeah, but people didn't believe it initially. I'm hoping this is not some big publicity stuff. Uh, it's probably just a joke on Twitter. We've heard it all before, so it'll go tits up, 100%. And then when it emerged that, yeah, these two guys are trying to buy the club, the, the question was, why Wrexham? Don't get me wrong, if the intentions are, are good and to move the club forward, then fantastic. But we need to know why Wrexham. You know, there was, there was a lot of scepticism, and, and quite rightly as well, because obviously these... These guys are coming. They've got no previous connection with uh, with Wrexham or or even Wales. Um, so if they're coming from the outside, there was talk obviously of a documentary that might accompany them buying the club. And it, it was one of these where the fans have been hurt so many times by bad owners. Like I said, the, the, the big question was why why Wrexham, and and people couldn't get past that initially because you know why would they come in? Why would like you say these two guys who are hugely successful in their own field that live sort of three, four, five thousand miles away? Why would they come to Wrexham? Yeah, well, and so I'm reading about not only these guys, but these other A-list celebrity visits to Wrexham. When people are, are, are flocking in purely because of who owns the team now. I've seen pictures of the Ant-Man star, Paul Rudd, before the last game drinking beer out of a plastic cup in the pub. Will Farrell made the trip in February. He was also at the pub. I think it'll be a, a low-scoring affair. 11-2. Like, what What are these visits like and what, what effect has it had on the town? Yeah, so it's the only time in sports journalism where I get to a game and then you look, you know, you, you try and find out, is anybody famous coming? Because, you know, like you say, you don't get Will Ferrell. You don't get Paul Wood. You just don't, you know, we've had, you know, stars from The Crown, you know, the Netflix series, you know, obviously, um, uh, Rob McElhenney's uh, cast, fellow cast members, Always Sunny, they've, they came to the Yeovil game recently. It's, it's, it doesn't happen 
you know, it might happen maybe at the odd Premier League game at Arsenal or Chelsea, but it certainly doesn't happen in the fifth division. And, you know, when Will Ferrell came across, I, I was lucky enough, I was offered the chance to sort of spend the day with him and his <laughs> friends who came across. And, I, you know, that, that's just, things like that, I just, they don't happen. What was that like? You got to spend the day, you got, got to hang out with Will Ferrell. What, what's he like? Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But that's 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 what Wrexham is at the moment. It, it was fantastic. He came across with four of his oldest pals, really. They were either guys who had been to school. They were really good guys. Guys who had either been to school with or he met them in college, you know, when he, in, in his sort of, you know, early 20s, sort of late teens. And, you know, they've obviously been pals for 30, 40 years all taking the mickey out of each other. But they were fascinated by the story. I had lunch with them. Sort of, they were, we had a sort of big lunch in the in the lounge before the game. And what really got them, and what has really actually got Rob and Ryan, is the, the this this promotion and relegation. Because obviously in, in Canadian sports or American sports, it's not really a thing. Maybe in sort of minor league type stuff. So the idea is that if you lose enough in the league, you can get kicked out of the league and kicked to a league lower than the league you're in. It would be like the uh, the Yankees getting yes. sent down to the minors. To the minors, yeah. the entire, right? For the entire team. season. Now, yes, and, and everyone. If, and if that next year they continued to lose, they would get kicked out of that league and they would be playing, you yeah, know, like beer, beer, beer league, league yeah. softball in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. So and what league is, is, is Wrexham? We're in the fifth tier. But certainly not your NFL or your, you know, your hockey, your baseball, your basketball. It, it's, it's, it's not the sort of thing that happens there, whereas... You know, we've had promotion and relegation over here since sort of the 1890s, really, and it's a big part of it. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, relegation, is, it sounds really exciting. And our, our, our sports leagues are a bit like the mob. You know, once you're in, you're in for life. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> never changes. <laughs> so... Um, now there's this big reality TV series, Welcome to Wrexham. Are, are, are people in town uh, watching it? Is the reaction good? Oh, yes, very much so. It's, I think, again, um, until it came out, there was that little bit of nervousness in terms of what would be shown. Everybody involved, you know, people at the club, people in the town, uh, you know, people right across North Wales, really, you know, they put themselves in the hands of the documentary makers and they had to, you know, and, and trusted them. You know, the, the, the documentary, I have to say, is absolutely fantastic. You know, I think they've, they nailed every single part of it. You know, it was real. It was earthy. You know, you, you felt part of the community and you can see that by the number of people, you know, tourists now who flock to Wrexham. You know, they might be so coming across to London from the States or from Canada and they, they think nothing now, a drive of, you know, doing a 400-mile round trip up to Wrexham just so they can go in the turf pub or just, you know, they're not even coming to games. You know, this is on a Monday or a Tuesday. It's, it's phenomenal. Amazing. So, I mean, I have to ask you about Ted Lasso. I mean, has anyone remarked on the similarities to one of the most popular shows on TV right now? This this Ted Lasso show, I have to say, the, the parallels are kind of delicious. Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club, despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. Oh! I know that AFC a show about a pair of American dilettantes wandering into English soccer, winning the hearts of a small community with a lackluster team. I mean, it's, I mean there's obviously a glaring exception between the two, being that Ted Lasso's this homespun middle America every man who cracks corny dad jokes and these are salty mouthed irreverent Hollywood wise guys but yeah has anyone talked about the life imitates art quality to this thing not really no and I think that's because of the delivery the way it's been delivered here in Wrexham is the fact that you know they've come across but they've actually respected uh, uh, yeah, I'll say traditions and practices and particularly the community they've not come in and imposed them you know they've, they've basically come across and they've admitted we don't know a lot about 
football, soccer. And didn't even know soccer that well. No. No, no, no. we no, we didn't know anything about the sport. Now it, we're obsessed with it. It is a so they've got mm. actual specialists in. You know, they went for a really good manager who, you know, getting him down to Division 5 must have taken a bit of doing because, you know, he belongs in the championship. Same with, they've got Sean Harvey, you know, who's, who's sort of their boots on the ground. They've got Fleur Robinson, who's, you know, the chief executive. All people who know football inside out and are experts because it's, you know, sports is a different business to everything else. You know, you, like I said, these guys have come across, obviously, and they've been so humble. Should the, the majority of the supporters decide that, that we're the guys for the job, we would be honoured and thrilled, and we would never, ever once take that lightly. We will laugh at ourselves, but we will never laugh at the situation. Well, thank you, Which sounds crazy when you think, you know, the, the star profile these guys have and, the, you know, the, the, the names they are, but they've been absolutely fantastic. Well, you mentioned the business and, and, and the soccer. I'm going to ask you about both those things. So let's start with the business. And uh, this might be a, a chicken and egg question, but was this a sports play initially or is it a content creation play? Like what what was the initial priority for Reynolds and McElhenney? I think I, I don't like to speak on behalf of people, but I think it was a documentary vehicle. Mm-hmm. That was the real thing. Because, you know, you know, Rob, Rob Humphrey Kerr had, had said to him, he says, oh, you've got to watch this documentary, which was about a football club, Sunderland, who were dropping out of the Premier League and then got relegated to the third division. Another manager gone, another relegation. The problems run deep. Let us pray for Sunderland Football Club and for our city. And it was a bit of a car crash, of a, you know, but compelling stuff because it was the car crash. Um, and that gave him the germ of the idea to actually think, well, yeah, I want to do my own documentary. I want to buy myself a football team or a soccer team, and I'm going to use that as a vehicle. So it did start. That was the reason for uh, for doing this. You know, there's no there's no doubt about that. Amazing. So Michael Henney sees this soccer documentary, creates a soccer documentary, buys a team as a result. And if I understand correctly, they even hired the same coach. <laughs> yeah, they had a coach that he inherited, so they kept him. Uh, but yeah, Phil Parkinson was in the original. He was one of many managers who was there at Sunderland. That's actually true, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that it was the concept. The vehicle was to bring, you know, this documentary, get a sports team. And they must have looked at about 10 or 15, I've been told, you know, right across the UK, you know, most of them in England. But obviously then they went to, the, they chose the right one as hindsight shown because it's a beacon, you know, it's the only professional team in North Wales. You know, it's a country of 3 million people. Down down in South Wales, you've got Cardiff, Swansea and Newport. But North Wales just had Wrexham and Wrexham were failing. So to hit upon them and go for them, it's it's been, a, you know, it's, it's an absolute genius, if, I, if I'm honest. Hi there, I'm Gavin Crawford. I'm a writer, an actor, and a comedian. And for the last eight or nine years, I have been navigating life with my mother's increasing dementia. Has it been sad? Yeah. Has it been funny? Also, yeah. That's what my brand new podcast series, Let's Not Be Kidding, is about. It's the true story of my life as a comedian, my mom, and dementia. Let's Not Be Kidding, with me, Gavin Crawford. A new seven-part series from CBC Podcasts, available now. So if you've just, you know, just alluded to the successes, uh, it's a great story that, that people are starting to know around the world. Uh, but on the business side, so Wrexham lost money last year. Can you, can you talk to me about, about that, the money loss? Yeah, the 21-22 season, which was the first full year under this ownership, they lost $2.9 million. Uh, pounds 
That's despite increasing the revenue by four, over 400% to about £6 million, just because they spent so much on the team um, and, and you know transfer fees and wages. They also bought back the racecourse ground, which is, has been the club's home since since you know since sort of the late 1800s. But because they've had some bad owners in the past, they'd had to sell the ground to uh, to other parties. So buying that back cost two million pounds. So that was part of it. But they came into it expecting to lose money initially. It's like a bit like a startup where you come in and you expect to lose money in the in the in the hope that the documentary will take off. And then in, in years to come, it will be a big success. And I think this summer will be really interesting because obviously we don't have the accounts for this year yet because the, the, the year hasn't finished. But when they, 2021 in the summer, they signed uh, two-year contracts for like shirt sponsorship and, and other sort of sponsorships with blue chip companies, you know, your TikTok, your Expedia. But obviously the documentary wasn't around then. Now the documentary has had a year and the exposure for those companies has been absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal, more than anybody expected. So now those deals are renegotiated this summer. And I think we will then see the value of the documentary because you know in, in 21 22 they earned a million pounds from sponsorship in total hmm. i would expect that number is going to be three four times that next season just because you know a you want to be part of a successful thing if you're a brand you want to be attached to something that's going well but also you're attached to ryan reynolds and, and rob McElhenney. you know it, it's 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 a win-win i would have thought for a sponsor yeah, you got to give Ryan Reynolds credit. I mean, not only a super successful movie star, but he's also spent the last few years racking up business wins. Like, he's taken stakes in these companies like Aviation Gin or Mint Mobile. You know, people come up to me all the time and they say, what makes Aviation Gin so delicious? At Mint Mobile, we're always looking for innovative ways to save you money. And then, and then you know, uh, both these companies I just mentioned have been sold, making Reynolds extremely wealthy. Um, so what, what I'm wondering is, do, does anyone there worry that Reynolds and, and McElhenney might build up the team, um, you know, run out their Disney Plus series and then kind of move on? I think that, yeah, that was a definitely a fear. And again, that was part of the, you know, the, the, the skepticism right at the very start when this first emerged. Because, you know, like you said... You know, how many see I know I know they signed the initial two seasons for the documentary. So obviously that we've had one and the second one will be in production because the season's just about to finish. And then but then you think, well, how many more years can that go forward? You know, will Disney or FX over in, in North America will they want series five, series six? You know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that was always the fear that they might get to this and then they just think, Well, yeah, we've got it so far. We've you know, we've got them up three leagues, which is great anyway. That's 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 the one thing that supporters thought, well, we're we're at rock bottom. If they can get us up two divisions and then they do sell it, then it means we've got a better club and we've had a good ride in the meantime. But what I I find the most fascinating aspect of this whole project at the moment, you know, from the outside, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not in the middle of the club, but watching the transformation in Ryan Reynolds, because um, Rob McElhenney was a sports fan as a kid. You can see that, you know, his Philadelphia Eagles was his team. The Eagles winning the Super Bowl was... One of the top, one of the greatest days of my life. It was top five greatest days of my life. People who are supporters of clubs and sporting fans across the world know exactly what I'm talking about, and I mean it. I put it up there with the birth of my children and my wedding day. Not because of what happened on the field, but because of what it meant to an entire community of people and to my relationships. With He's, my you know, we all know what, when you sports team, you know, as, you, as a... As a 10, 11 year old, they can make you cry, they can make you happy, they can make everything, everything in between. And that continues into adulthood. But I get the impression that Ryan's never had that as a kid. You know, he played sports, but I don't think he ever really had a team. Certainly that's my impression. So he's never had that gut wrenching, horrible moment when, you know, your team loses a big match or, or that elation when you win a, 
you know, win a huge game, whether it's a Super Bowl or whether it's a, a promotion decider. But I think over the last two years, this that the football club has drawn him in. And I think he's actually, he, he feels it now because there was a great um, Instagram message from his wife, Blake Lively, on, um, I think it was January when they played in the FA Cup. <laughs> And she yeah. just messaged to say, I've, I've just taken out a uh, subscription on ESPN. Blake shares with her fans on Instagram, I bought ESPN Plus today just to watch my husband experience crippling anxiety live. Worth it. It's that's it. And she put like, totally worth it. But I thought that summed it up because I think, you know, football, soccer has got its hooks into him. Is A, it's, the, it's, it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me and genuinely one of the worst. Like, I love now love this sport so much that I hate it. <laughs> That's what makes me think that this is a more. It probably wasn't when they started, and, and I think they've just been given the freedom of Wrexham in a, in a civic ceremony um, on Easter Monday, and it was a close ceremony. But I've, I've got a, a transcription of the speeches that were made, and Rob McElhenney actually admitted in that he says, "Like I didn't realise when we started this just how into it I was going to get, but now I want this for the, not only for the rest of my life, but also for my family's generations to come." And I think they are into it. You know, obviously. In four years' time, if they can't get out of League One and they're finishing the 11th and it's hemorrhaging money, maybe things change. But there's actually a sense now that these guys are actually in it for the long haul. And I think, you know, that scepticism, well, certainly that scepticism that was there sort of two, three years ago, that's completely disappeared. And people are, A, they're enjoying the ride anyway. But B, they do actually expect these guys to stick around and they are here quite a lot. And he obviously was very proud of his investments in, in, the, in the gin and the, and the mobile phone company. But I don't think he's ever been screaming at his television if you know <laughs> about, about the fortunes of either of them. That that'd be my guess. Obviously, I'm I'm speaking on somebody's behalf, which I shouldn't do, but that's the impression I get. Well, people get passionate about gin, but maybe not to that point. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk sports. I mean, any anyone following this story will know that this team, Wrexham AFC, has managed to escape the National League it had been stuck in for 15 years. But of course, many of our listeners won't be familiar with you know what we discussed earlier, the whole relegation concept. But what, what's the setup for football in the UK? Like, what, what's the significance of moving from from the National League? I think it's the fifth division to like the next one. Like, can you walk me through that? Yeah, sure. Well, there's the Premier League, which is obviously the very top. That's your Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, and then there's three leagues below that, which is the Football League, the EFL, and that's you know confusingly Championship. League One and League Two. And then the fifth level is the National League, which 20 years ago was pretty much an amateur competition. You know, it's guys who'd have a, a day job. You know, they'd be working as a, a teacher during the day and then they'd be playing football at night. You know, that was what it was. It was sort of part-time, really. But over the last 20 years, the standards in that league have just shot up. And now every team in that team is fully professional. They're all full-time. Um, but they are, you know, it's still called non-league. Now Wrexham have escaped that. They're into the Football League. And now the challenge is to move up through the league. You know, they're in the fourth level, the fourth tier, fourth division. And, they, you know, Ryan Reynolds said on television in January, his hope is to get to the Premier League. That's obviously wow. going to be a huge, huge challenge. But teams have done it. If you manage your team well and make the right decisions and the right appointments, it can happen. It's not easy. There's a lot of teams that have crashed and burnt on the way from uh, Division 4 right all the way to the Premier League and lost a lot of money. But... You know, that's that's the end goal for for Rex, and they want to get to uh, to that level. 
So now I don't want to be a buzzkill here, but allow me to be a buzzkill for just a second. So yes, this is a Cinderella story. Yes, these are unquestionably charming guys. Uh, the owners they are likable. They're fun to watch. Um, and it's unquestionably extraordinary marketing. But is there any part of the UK football world saying, OK, wait a minute here. This is also a story about about foreigners with deep pockets, you know, basically buying a promotion for a team they've picked because um, foreign ownership has, has been controversial at the more elite levels of the sport. Right. So, yeah, does anyone talk about that in a more negative way? It's usually the teams they're up against, like the teams in the National League. You know, they've obviously been a little bit bitter because they'll see it as a, an advantage. But, you know, I'd, I'd say for the last 40, 50 years, money talks in football of, you know, over here, particularly, you know, you, it's very different to also the NFL where you have the draft, which can even things up, you know, over here, your team's at the top end of the league in the Premier League and Manchester City, because they're owned by Abu Dhabi. You've got Newcastle now owned by Saudi Arabia. You know, the, all these teams have, have got millions and millions and millions of pounds. And that's why they're first, second, third in the, uh, in the Premier League. And, you know, money's always taught. So there's always going to be jealousy. There always is. Um, that'll probably change next season so it'll be the teams that will be in League 2 who'll be the, their direct competitors they won't like it but money talks in, in, in football over here in soccer over here and you know Wrexham are no different All right, well, let's let's end with a happy note. We know that uh, fans of Welcome to Wrexham can expect a joyful finale to the show's second season. <laughs> it's quite an amazing scene, uh, this this promotion to the fourth division. Um, but, you know, you're optimistic about the next season. So what do you think is going to happen? You think they're literally going to shoot up through the next, uh, next division? What, like, what do you expect? I, I expect them to do that next season. And then I think that's when the that's when it can become tough. Once you get into League One, which is the third division, because there's some big clubs in that division at the moment. There's Sheffield Wednesday, there's Ipswich, there's Derby County, Sunderland were there very recently. All teams who've been in the Premier League and all teams who have sort of 30, 35, 40,000 fans. And that's a lot of money. So they've got big budgets. Obviously, Wrexham, their ground will hold 15,000, 16,000 if, if, if they are in League One by 2024. And that's going to be tough to compete against, you know, because... There's going to be people with big pockets and that's when I do wonder if they'll bring investors on board at that stage. You know, so it's not just their money that's at risk. I think they'll be looking to bring other, you know, whether it's individuals or companies or just, you know, investment groups. I think that's when that'll be needed because once you get to League One, it gets difficult. Once you get into the championship, which is our second level, and there's teams losing 20, 25 million pounds every single year, chasing that dream of getting into the Premier League, which is where the big money is. Uh, so to use the vocabulary of North American sports, they are in the big leagues now. We're almost, <laughs> almost the big leagues. They're, they're, they're moving up towards the biggest league, but yeah, they're they're in, they're in a league that's uh, you know the football league is big news over here. It's it's the oldest oldest league in the world, and Wrexham deserve their place in it. And it's going to be fascinating to see how they get on. Well, thank you, Richard. I really appreciate you taking the time. Anytime, anytime. Enjoyed it. That's all for today. I'm Alex Panetta, and thank you for listening to FrontBurner. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.